I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, just when you thought you were winning the rat race, along come faster rats. Now those of us who live in the large cities often complain about being in the rat race, which does put us under considerable stress. However, over the past few years, something strange has happened. I read an article recently written by Francine Prose in which she says that stress has become the newest status symbol. She writes, to live in today's world means that by definition, we're overcommitted and overextended, racing against the clock. Americans, statistics show, are working longer hours and struggling harder to keep their lives from tipping out of control. Lately, what seems increasingly obvious is that many of us are enjoying our stress-filled lives because it gives us a sense of significance. For some, it hasn't been a successful day if they haven't had at least one crisis or emergency." End of quote. Other stress specialists tell us that this new status symbol demands a heavy price. Sometimes it is the collapse of a person's health or the continually stress-filled person has no energy or time for his or her spouse and children. As a friend said to me recently, our first work for God is to nurture and care for ourselves and for our family, which fits in with Mark 8.36. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul and perhaps the souls of his family. We need to prioritize and not overschedule ourselves. The experts tell us we'll last longer and do a better work as a result. Another unnecessary stressor happens when we allow our behavior to be determined by what we think people expect of us. I remember at the beginning of our ministry, quite a few years ago now, and this happened not only in our first church, but also in our second church. When we arrived, I was asked, can you sing or play the organ? Now, having grown up in quite an isolated farming area of Australia, my answer was no, I can't sing and I can't play. Well, the well-meaning church member on both occasions said, oh, what a pity. Our last minister's wife sang and played beautifully. And immediately I felt somewhat of a failure and thought to myself I should have stayed on the farm. But my dear husband gave me some encouragement when he said, we all have different gifts. Yours may not be music, but you have other gifts. Specialize in those and God will bless you. And I have endeavored to do that over the years and God has blessed me. I learned a very valuable lesson back there, and that is that God's children should not feel like they're in a competition, but rather we need to encourage each other to develop and use our different gifts for his glory. As the Apostle Paul said, we don't live to impress men, but to please God. Now that's not the rule of the world, I know, but it is biblical and sure lessens our level of stress. As Christian writer Dr. Archibald Hart says, a life entrusted to God and lived in faith is protected from much of life's stresses. I think he must have been writing about two of my favorite verses from the Old Testament. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolation brings joy and peace to my soul. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. Thank God for this wonderful truth. It can be an awful thing to be left behind. There's a movie, a very powerful movie entitled Left Behind. Have you seen it? I saw it yesterday. It's a great production, Left Behind. I've been left behind on a number of occasions. <laughs> I was left behind in Los Angeles some time back. My family and my team all went to the airport. We were going to go to Russia. I went too. When I got there, 
didn't have my visa. And so I got somebody, I don't know who it was, David or somebody, got in a car, drove fast out to Thousand Oaks, drove fast all the way back, then coming down the 405. <laughs> you know what happens on the 405? It's a lot of traffic. And I got there just to stand and watch the Delta plane leave. It's left behind. There are some very negative emotions about being left behind. Separation from loved ones. The anxiety that wells up in the chest. What's going to happen to me now? Left behind. Would you like to be left behind when Jesus comes? Lots of folks are going to be left behind. I was left behind a little while ago in Beijing because I got food poisoning. The Grahams are here today and they very graciously let me uh, collapse into one of their beds in the hotel. I had a great American doctor, Dr. Rendell Houston, who fortunately stayed behind. But when everybody left, the team left, my family left, I said goodbye to them because I had a high fever. I could not walk. I was too sick. I was left behind. Fortunately, I was able to get up the next morning and catch a plane up to a city in the north of China and catch the Manchurian Express as it came through. But it's an awful thing, my friend, to be left behind and to know that your loved ones have gone and you're here. It's worse to be left behind when you know it is final. There's this outstanding movie entitled Left Behind. Some of you have seen it. I watched it yesterday. The opening scene is a picture of a young man with a Jewish scientist out in the desert. His name, he's an American, so his name is Buck. And as they're standing there talking about this wonderful system of being able to, to grow wheat in the desert, all of a sudden the sky is filled with what I think are Russian jets. And there are thousands of these jets invading Israel and, and bombs are falling and they run into the Israeli control center and they say there's something wrong, we can't get our planes off the ground. Israel is going to be destroyed. But then all of a sudden the, the Russian jets or the jets from the north start to fall out of the sky. They're exploding, just exploding everywhere. They're exploding. But nobody did it. Nobody human. Because the producers of Left Behind believe that there's a prophecy in the Bible that's found in the book of Ezekiel that says that Israel is going to be protected when the enemy comes from the north. It's a great opening sequence. And soon it moves to a 747 captain who is saying goodbye to his wife and his two daughters. And the pastor, not his pastor, but his wife's pastor, bursts in and is full of enthusiasm and the captain rather brusquely pushes past him and says goodbye to his wife because he's got a 747, the captain. The great jet climbs into the sky and you know what it's like in a 747. There are lots and lots of people. The place is absolutely packed out with people. And uh, the captain, uh, the co-pilot, and some others are sitting up the front. And then a woman says to this gentleman, it's Buck. Buck is here again. Buck is sitting, she says, I can't find my husband. You can't find him? And I'm worried about him. Please take this, this blanket and see. Why do I need the blanket? Because he's naked. He's naked. Wherever he is, he's naked. He's left his clothes. 
And then a woman starts yelling, my kids, my kids, where are my kids? What are my kids' clothes doing here? And people everywhere in the plane are shouting, loved ones are gone and all the children are gone. And so the 740 captain who becomes sort of the hero of the show along with Buck, he calls in and says, what's going on? We're turning back. They said, it's happening everywhere. And then it shows one of the freeways, which could be the 405 here in Los Angeles, and there are motor cars just careering off the road. And in the front seat of those cars, there are clothes. <laughs> but there are lots of people left behind. But people have all of a sudden gone. And then the 747 captain, because now the world is in chaos, he goes to his own home. And he, he calls out to his wife. He wants to see her. And he, he, there's one daughter there. Daddy, where's mommy? And one daughter has gone. And the captain goes into the bedroom and he pulls back the covers. And there's a nighty. She's gone. And he is left behind. It's a great movie. Very well done. And then as the story goes on, the United Nations steps in. And there is a, a wonderful, charismatic young man who comes on television and he says, we know why this is happening. It's because there's so much radiation in the air. And these folks have somehow been irradiated out into space. But he says, we are going to set up to meet the emergencies of the hour and the fact that there is famine everywhere. We are going to set up a plan, a seven-year plan. And we're going to divide the world up into ten nations. And so the movie moves on with people who are searching and wondering and the world is plunged into a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And the 747 captain says, Mary had something and I need to find it. And so he goes to the church that Mary went to and the pews are empty but the pastor's there. The pastor has been left behind. Don't be so self-righteous, you folks. <laughs> so the pastor's left behind, but the pastor is on his knees saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, have mercy. He still has an opportunity, you see, to be saved, even though the rapture has happened. And they turn on a videotape, and there is this famous black preacher and he's preaching from the Bible. This is a video that he put down there a few years before and he said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. They say, well, this is what's happened. The rapture has occurred. And when the 747 captain comes in and, and sees the pastor praying, he gets down on his knees and he finds the family Bible and he finds Christ. And people around the world are starting to find Christ. But then at the United Nations, they have a wonderful plan. They're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Because these are the chosen people of God. The people of destiny are the Jews. And so they're going to rebuild the temple. And this very nice man issues decrees to the world. And if anybody dares to think differently... He is annihilated, but the rest of the people believe that somebody else did it, except that man who is the Antichrist.
and there's a sequel to the movie and that will be the basis of another sermon. <laughs> now I'm going to talk about being left behind. Now the Bible does teach a time of separation. There is going to be a time of separation. Some are going to be taken and some are going to be left. And that is going to be true with all of us here in this church. Some will be taken and some will be left. There will come a latter-day Antichrist who will have tremendous power over the world. There's no doubt about this. It is true that Jesus is going to return for his people. And it is true that there is a coming judgment day. But may I remind you today that our source of truth is not from the movies, it is from the scriptures. Tragically, most people know so very little about scripture that they would rather get their information from any other source but the real source. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 17. And if you don't have a Bible, I wish that you did. John chapter 17 and verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, friend, then maybe you will be left behind. John 17, and I'm serious. John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Say it with me. Sanctify them by the truth. Now finish it. Your word is truth. Therefore, we discover our truth not from a church and not from a pastor and not from a movie, but we discover the truth from where? From the word. And that is why I say to you, until I sound sometimes like a crack record, read your Bible every day. The greatest spiritual deficiency among Christians around the world, particularly in North America, is ignorance of the Word of God. Because we want to hear short little sermons, but as HMS Richard said, sermonettes make Christianettes. And we need to be students of Holy Scripture. I want you to notice what the Bible teaches about the second coming, and I want you to notice what it says about the rapture. Would you please come with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That is in the New Testament. The writings of the great apostle Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. Over toward the book of Revelation. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians and keep on coming and you get over there eventually to 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. This is the text that is used by the preacher in the movie to justify the concept of the secret rapture. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, it is so plain that I find it hard to understand how the text could be misunderstood. The Lord himself is going to come down well, that didn't happen in the movie. But it says the Lord comes down with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will be raised. That means that people over there in Forest Lawn and at every cemetery are going to come up out of the grave as Jesus did. There is going to be a literal resurrection. And when that takes place, the living saints are going to be caught up with those just resurrected. That didn't happen in the movie. 
the Bible, I want to say to all those who are watching this program today, including television evangelists and preachers, the idea of the secret rapture is nowhere found in the Word of God. The Bible talks about the literal, personal, visible, glorious, powerful coming of Jesus Christ in the clouds of glory. The Bible doesn't talk about people just mysteriously going up in the air and leaving their clothes behind. Now I want to show you some other texts in the Bible because this is very important that you see this, my friend. I want you to come over here to Matthew 24 and verse 27, dear hearts and gentle people. Matthew chapter 24, this chapter is called the Little Apocalypse. Matthew 24... Verse 27, this chapter is on the second coming, or as some people call it, the rapture. That word's not found in the Bible. The Bible says, verse 27, Jesus says, For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It is going to be the most visible event, the coming of Jesus. And if you come to another text, I want you to notice verse 30 and 31. Verse 30 and 31, the Bible says, At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the one end of the heavens to the other. That, my friend, is when the people of God go home to heaven. And the Bible says it's going to be done by the angels. And the Bible says it's going to be accompanied by a resurrection. And the Bible says it is not going to be a secret people, a secret thing happening to invisible people, apparently. It's going to be the most stupendous event in the history of the human race. Everybody is going to see it. Everybody is going to know about it. The Bible says it's going to be visible, it's going to be with power, it's going to be with glory, and it's going to accompany the, be accompanied by the resurrection. Where do you read, where do you see this, my friend, in current theology? You don't see it. And people say, well, why does my preacher preach it? Because your preacher doesn't know the Bible, that's why. That's the reason why. You say, but all preachers know the Bible. No, they don't. No, they don't. This is pop theology. But it's not taught on the Word of God. You know, the biggest religious outfit, television outfit in the world, taught that the return of the Jews was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. You say, but it was. Well, they say, you add 40 years onto there, that's a generation, and that brings you through to 1988, and that's when the rapture would occur. And so the vast network of Trinity Broadcasting went on automatic. No live preachers that day because they didn't want to be left behind. They believed that they were going to be raptured home to glory. And they've set other dates after it. Hell Lindsay's book, The Late Great Planet Earth, has sold more religious books than any other person. And people say, it is the truth of God. He teaches some wonderful ideas. But he doesn't teach the truth of God. He is a false prophet. How do I know he's a false prophet? Because false prophets give false prophecies. 1988 and other prophecies. And the awful thing is that people say, Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you Jesus. And the next day, it's business as normal. Just keep the money coming in. So, 
there's going to be a time of separation. I want you to notice what it says. Matthew 24 and verse 40 and 41. Matthew 24, verse 40 and 41. Jesus said, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. So the movie says, you got the 747 captain. His wife's taken and he's left. But the Bible doesn't say that they're left alive. The Bible doesn't, yeah, they're going to be left, but it doesn't say they're going to be left alive. It doesn't say that. I want you to notice what the Bible says about what happens to the wicked when Jesus comes. Come to 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 to 10, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, dear hearts and gentle people. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 6 to 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 to 10. It tells us what happens to the unsaved when Jesus comes. Verse 6, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. The Bible says that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to be glorified in his people, to save his people, the Bible says he destroys the unbelievers. Now in the movie Left Behind and the theology that is believed in this country by the vast majority of evangelical Christians, after the rapture and you've been left behind, like the 740 captain, you can still find God. Don't you count on it. Because after the second coming, if you're not in heaven with Jesus, you're going to be dead on this earth. Yes, two women are going to be grinding. One is going to be taken and one is going to be left, a corpse. Two men are going to be plowing a field. One is going to be taken. One is going to be left, a corpse, when Jesus comes. Listen carefully to this. The Bible teaches that the day is coming when there's going to be a time of trouble such as never was a nation, the great tribulation. And that is going to climax in the seven last plagues. It's going to climax in the battle of Armageddon and the destruction of all life on this planet. I would not want to be left behind. Would you please come to Revelation 16, verses 15 and onwards. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they, it's an interesting thing. The wicked here are the ones who are naked. But in the movie, it's the good ones who are naked. They sort of got around the wrong way. Then they gathered the kings together to a place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and uh, out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on the earth. And uh, if you come to verse 20, every island fled away. The mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. And so, just before Jesus comes, you've got the plagues. And then Jesus comes in fire and majesty 
and glory and in judgment and those who are left behind will become a stubble. They will be burned up. Don't think that you can be left behind and be saved, I tell you. Now, in this theology that is taught on Trinity Broadcasting and by 99% of uh, evangelists and television, they teach that the saints are raptured home and then comes the great tribulation. So the saints do not see the great tribulation. The great tribulation is for the lost. It isn't so. And I will prove it to you. It is an absolute denial of the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever hell Lindsay tells you, and why should any person believe in hell, Lindsay, when he's been wrong so often? Come over here to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, dear friends. And I want you to notice what it says about the great tribulation. And next week I'm going to talk about Israel and Bible prophecy. And you ought to be here. Matthew 24. Verse 21, for there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. For the sake of the elect, because the elect are right here, my friend. You hear this, Wally? You listening to me? The elect, <laughs> the elect are right here on this earth. Oh, says Hell Lindsay, the elect are the Jews who are left behind. No, an elect person is a person who has come to Christ and been saved. Hell Lindsay's theology is centered upon a nation. Our theology is centered upon a Christ. You see? So here's a time of trouble. And if God didn't cut it short, no one, not even the elect, would be saved. And then if you come to verse 29, immediately after, 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 after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give it its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Hell Lindsay. And the rest of these men say, and the movie left behind, the rapture, the clothes get left behind, the unbelievers get left behind, and then comes after the second coming. But the Bible says, after the tribulation, Jesus comes. Now you've got to make up your mind whether you're going to believe Trinity Broadcasting and all of these spokesmen. If you're left behind, it's going to be too late. And there's coming a great time of trouble. You see, when you preach on the mark of the beast or the antichrist, these people say, Oh, well, who cares? We're not going to be here. The only people who are going to care about that are people who are left behind. The godless Jews, you see, that's what they think. And all the sinners in the world, but we're going to be safe home with Jesus, shouting hallelujah, glory, and having the greatest charismatic meeting in the history of the world. You see? They'll be jumping around and shouting, they think. But if somebody said it ain't necessarily so. There comes the great tribulation, the final test, the reign of the Antichrist, the enforcement of the mark of the beast, the great test for the people of God. And then Jesus comes to save his people who go through the time of trouble. But you see, these folks have got such a bunch of wimpy Christians that they cannot go through the time of trouble. They've got to be taken home because they couldn't take it. But it's not what the Bible teaches. The movie is a great movie. 
But I want to tell you this, unless those folks get their theology straight, they just may be left behind. I don't want you to be left behind. And that's why I'm glad I'm here today to preach the Word of God. And I'm not here to win any bouquets. Listen, in the movie, and it's great how they can quote the scriptures, they just quote it so glibly, and ignorant people don't know the difference. They say, well, it's proved in Ezekiel 38. Whoever looks it up. They say it's proved in Daniel chapter 9 where the Antichrist makes a covenant with the world for seven years. Let me tell you what their theology is like. I'll put it up on the blackboard so that you will not be left behind. Would you please turn with me in Holy Scripture to Daniel chapter 9. And it is so plain you'll be embarrassed to think that people can hold these ideas. Please take your Bible and come with me to Daniel, the ninth chapter. Now, some of you will say to me, but you're rather dogmatic. Well, so is the movie Left Behind. But I'd rather be dogmatic with the truth. 77s, 490 years, are decreed for your people. They were the Israelites. And your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, and so forth. No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah comes. That's the anointed one. There'll be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens, sixty-nine sevens or four eighty-three years. And then if you come down a little bit further, it says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. I want you to notice the two doctrines. One doctrine of God and one absolutely false. Here you have the 70 weeks, the 70 sevens. And that was a time that God gave to the Jewish people to turn to God. And during that time, the Messiah would come. And if they accepted the Messiah, the kingdom of God would come to Israel. And uh, the Bible says, from the going forth of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which was done by Artaxerxes, Long Germanus, and it takes you through right over here to 34 AD. But the Bible tells us that this time period is made up of, it's made up of two parts. You've got the 69 sevens. That's 483 years. And that brings you through over here until 27 AD. And that's when Jesus was baptized according to the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar in Luke chapter 3. And so, according to scriptures, the last portion here, this is the last week. You see, you've got seven years there. Seven years. And Jesus preached for three and a half years and in the midst of the last seven years, he brought an end to the sacrificial offerings by the death of himself. Now that is the truth. Jesus finished the sacrifices by the death of himself. And so this seven is a part, it's absolutely logical. But let me tell you what Hal Lindsey does. Trinity Broadcasting and Left Behind. And 99% of people who don't know what the Bible says, they say, well, here you got the 483 years. There you got it there, you see. The 483 years. And that brings you through to the days of Jesus. Well, that's pretty right. They're off a year or two. Well, what's a year or two among friends? If you're a television evangelist and the money is rolling in, and you can make money out of 1988 or 1992, 1996. But what they do, they split off the last week and they put it right over here at the end. So you've got between here and here at least 2,000 years. And you say to me, Pastor Carter, what's their authority for doing that? Well, whoever worried about authority? Where's the biblical reason? There's no biblical reason. Now the Bible says, he will make a covenant with many for one week. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus did that three and a half years through his preaching. 
and the preaching of the apostles, and you come to the stoning of Stephen, and the gospel went to the Gentile world. And Israel as a nation ceased to be the people of God. Israel is no longer as a nation in Bible prophecy. Oh, I say, that's not what I... Well, just hang on. So they split this apart. You've got to be really smart to do this. It reminds one of the sign over the old blacksmith store, all kinds of twistings and turnings done here. Lots of twistings and turnings. They say the Antichrist, this, you see, here's the rapture. All the pajamas and everything left behind. People are gone. Then the Antichrist rules the world. But the Bible says this happens before the second coming. And in the New Testament, which explains the Old Testament, there's only one person who makes a covenant with many people. You know who it is? Jesus. He's the person who died on the cross. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. For many. For Jews, Muslims, Russians, Americans, everybody. God has got an Israel today. God has got an Israel today. It's the Israel with whom he makes a covenant. You know who it is? The church. The Christian church that's made up of black people like Wally. That's right. Isn't that true? White people like me. What are you saying? You think I'm red? <laughs> Just be careful, Wally. I got the mic. I know. <laughs> Listen. The Apostle Paul, a Jew, said, the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise accounted for the seed. God, and I'm going to talk about it next week. Does that mean you're saying all the Jews have been rejected? I'm saying this. God is not a racist. And whoever you are, wherever you come from, if you believe in Jesus, he makes a covenant with you and you're his child. And he says, you are a spiritual Jew. And all the great prophecies of the Bible are about the Israel of the Spirit. Then you're trying to tell me that Israel is no longer the focus of Bible prophecy? You got it. Then what is? The people of God. The people of God. The people of God. Let me give you, I, I'm going to talk about this more next week when I talk about Israel and Bible prophecy. Paul says, has God cast away his people? No, of course he hasn't. Has he cast away a Jew? who's a God-fearing Jew who trusts in Jesus? No, he's a child of God. It's no longer a nation in the Middle East that is the focus of God's attention. It is God's people wherever they are around the world. Look at this very carefully. I'm going to give you a biblical view, and I'm going to talk about this more as we go along next week. Here we are now, and the gospel is going to be preached in the whole wide world. Then the end is going to come. The end comes when Jesus comes. And if you don't obey the gospel before Jesus comes, it's too late. You'll be left behind as a carcass. The Bible says before Jesus comes, there comes the great tribulation. It's going to be so bad, God didn't shorten those days, nobody's going to be saved. Even the elect, it tells you that the elect are going to be here. You see? 
And during this time, the Antichrist is going to rule and the mark of the beast is going to be enforced. God is going to have a people who are going to say, I would rather die than deny my Lord. They're not going to be left behind. They're going to be taken home when Jesus comes, you see? But the great test comes not to the Israel of the flesh in Palestine, but to God's people around the world. And then the Bible says, Jesus is going to come. And you can see why these people are not interested in understanding who the Antichrist is. They've got the idea that it's going to be probably a, an atheistic Jew or somebody like that. But when you read the prophecies of the Bible, Antichrist is not a person. Oh, that doesn't make good copy for movies. Oh, sorry. Daniel chapter 7, other passages tell us that the Antichrist is a great religious system, a coalition of church and state that changed the commandments of God, including the holy seventh-day Sabbath. Maybe that's a reason they don't want to hear these things too. But the Bible says the Antichrist is going to rule, and then Jesus is going to come. There's a second coming. And when Jesus comes, there is a resurrection. Tremendous stirring. And there is a translation and people are going to be renewed and caught up and taken home to glory. The earth is going to be made desolate. The Bible says, I looked and there was no man. That's what it says in Jeremiah. It says the slain of the Lord is going to be so great, it's going to be from coast to coast. They're not going to be gathered or buried because there's going to be nobody here to bury them. That's what it says in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah chapter 4 and other scriptures. Listen carefully. If you believe this hodgepodge of theological distortion that appeals to ignorant people who do not know scripture, my message to you is this. Don't be too concerned. When the rapture takes place, you've got another seven years to get right with God. So eat, drink, and be merry. So who cares? But if the Bible is true, after Jesus comes, either you're going to be with Jesus in heaven or else you're going to rot on this earth as a corpse. And there's no second chance. I wouldn't want to die and be left behind, would you? That is why you and I need to take our faith seriously. This is not just a matter for speculation, debate, and oh, who believes in this and who believes in that, and you want to just argue. This is a time to be spiritually prepared. After Jesus comes, it is too late. I should repent when? Now. I should believe in Christ when? Now. I should come to God when? Now. I should obey the word of God when? Now. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. My message is this. Believe now. Repent now. Obey now. And you will not be left behind. Please kneel. Dear Father, we pray that you'll stir us today. You know, Lord, that we're living down at the end of time. And we're living among the most sophisticated and yet the most superficial generation in the history of the world. Where religion is used as a crutch. 
and where clever people can manipulate minds so carefully. Dear Father, teach the people watching this telecast and the people here in this church to base their faith upon a daily reading of Scripture, not upon books like the late great planet Earth, which have been plainly unmasked, but who is being affected by the unmasking, we should ask. Help us, dear Father, to realize that God has given us a time, and that time is now. It's not after the rapture, because there's no such thing. It's not during the great tribulation after Jesus has taken the good people home. No, no, no. It's now. And help us to realize that the greatest sign in the world is certainly not the return of the Jews to Palestine, because that's not a sign at all in the Bible. But the great sign is the preaching of the everlasting gospel. The gospel, the new covenant that God has made with the new house of Israel, with Jews and Gentiles and whoever they are who truly believe in Jesus Christ. So help us to believe today, to repent today, and to obey today so that we will not be left behind. As we're praying in church, may I see the hands of all those today who will raise a hand and say, Lord, I don't want to be left behind. I want to go with Jesus to heaven. Would you raise your hand? Lift up your hands high. Put your hands up high. And let the Lord know today that today you're making important decisions. Keep your hands up. Oh God, forgive our sins. Oh God, forgive my sins. Wash us in the blood of Jesus. Renew your covenant with us today. And help us to realize that the plan of God is found in Jesus. Not in a nation, not in, even in a system of theology, but in the Christ who died on the cross for us, who brought an end to the sacrifices and the sin offerings, and who made an everlasting covenant with his people. We worship you, we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we do love you. In Jesus' name, amen.